If you are digging back through the Photo Business Help Catalog, which you must be if you're hearing this message right now, keep in mind that technology changes and our offerings change. So any links that you might hear me mention during this episode you're about to hear may not work anymore. Make sure you head to photobizhelp.com forward slash links for all of our current links and offers. That's photobizhelp.com forward slash links and ignore the things that you hear in this episode today because they might be outdated. Everything you need is at photobizhelp.com forward slash links. Why are you building all these other pages? Why are you blogging all these sessions? Why are you blogging all these weddings if you don't have intent behind them? And so each one of those pieces of content needs to answer a question for your potential clients. And so you help filter them through your process, but you also help them find you. After over 10 years full-time as a lifestyle photographer, I've discovered eight things that every photographer should do to build and grow a strong photography business. If you would like to strengthen your business in 2021 and learn more about the eight things that have helped me build a solid photo biz, head to photobizhelp.com forward slash eight things. That's the number eight things to get your copy of the eight things that I've done over the last 10 years to build a successful lifestyle photography business. That's photobizhelp.com forward slash eight things. This is the Photo Business Help Podcast, a place for photographers who want to earn money with photography and live a better life. I'm your host, Natalie Jennings. Since going full-time in 2010, photography has brought me more freedom, income, and opportunities than I ever imagined. It's been so positive for me that I want to show you everything I know. You'll learn more than just businessy things, though, including my favorite ways to be mindful and happier on this journey. You're tuned in to the Photo Business Help Podcast. My name is Natalie Jennings. I hope this finds you well. If you've been listening for a while, then you probably noticed I've started to invite more and more photographers onto the show so that they could share their stories with you so that you on your photo journey can connect with other photographers and maybe not feel so alone on the journey. I know that for me personally, there were a lot of, there still are a lot of like ups and downs, uh, especially when you're an entrepreneur. And I think, I think it's really helpful just to be able to hear that other people go through a lot of the same stuff, whether it's, you know, up and down finances, or just imposter syndrome, maybe just feeling like they don't know how to grow their business the right way. So Part of inviting other folks onto the show is that I want to offer little mini sort of workshops for you. If you look back through the episodes, you'll find little mini workshops on SEO, on wedding photography for beginners, if you're delving into that. Food photography is another one that we've talked about. So there's a lot of little mini workshops that I've done on the show, and I decided to bring two past guests, Becca Dilly and William Bay, on to collaborate on an SEO mini workshop for the next two episodes. So this is a two-parter. Becca and William are going to dig into SEO from two sort of different perspectives. And the intention here is that this is for folks that are, you know, new in business their first few years. They've got stuff sort of 
sorted out in terms of a website, but not really all that knowledgeable in the SEO area. So this is perfect for anybody in that boat or anyone that's been in business a while and just wants to sharpen up maybe what they're doing on the back end of blogging and caring for your website. So William's approach is a lot more technical, while Becca's approach is about the intention that you're setting when you set out to create content. So both of these approaches combine to really help create some stellar SEO practices. So this is a two-part episode. This is part one. I hope you enjoy. So thanks for being here, both of you. Uh, Before we get into the chat, I would like for each of you to introduce yourselves, just say a little bit about what you do, and, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so I'm Becca Dilley. I'm a wedding photographer uh, here in Minneapolis, and um, I do uh, one-on-one mentorships about SEO. I've been ranked, I mean, SEO is something I care passionately about, and that's the primary way that I get uh, business and has been true for about the last eight years. Uh, I'm William Bay. I'm based out of San Diego. I, too, was a wedding photographer for a number of years. Um, I've changed my focus to fine art. But I, I do, uh, I'm a web developer and an SEO specialist as well, and have been doing that for the past uh, while, 10, 12 years. <laughs> and uh, I, I uh, run a thing called Get Noticed with Font Sites and, uh, and Font Sites, uh, 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 photography templated sites for people. Right on. Thank you. Well, today we're talking about SEO. And again, as always, this isn't going to go super in depth. You can check out William's course or Becca's mentorship for that kind of stuff. But we're going to talk about kind of common, we'll we'll start with common things that we're speaking to photographers, obviously, that photographers do on the back end of blogging and doing stuff on their website that isn't serving them. And so Becca, I'll let you start. What is something that you find that's pretty common with I mean, not even new photographers, but just photographers in general. I think a lot of people create content and they don't have a why of it. There's no question that they are answering. So I like to look at every piece of content that I create and really pin down, not just who this is for, because I think we kind of get caught in the like, who's your target client, but like, what is someone actually looking for and how does this piece of content provide them with an answer that is going to endear them endear me to them. And can you give an example of sort of what that would be? Yeah. So people will like blogging weddings is such a common thing. Like, oh my gosh, I did this wedding. It was amazing. It was so pretty. Here's the space. And they know that they should put in the name of the venue. Great. And then they talk about the colors or whatever. Unless you're at that wedding, why are you going to click on that blog post? So I like to think like if I am writing a piece of content, Even if that, like if I'm writing a blog post, even if that wedding never happened, even if that venue didn't exist, what is interesting about this piece of content that someone would still click on it and find it and find my point of view about it interesting? That's a great point. And can you even expand on that just a little bit more and and give an example of what that would be? Yeah. So instead of saying like, you know, such a fun summer wedding at the... Gar, you know, at the gardens in Stillwater. Talk about your approach to the wedding or your approach to weddings in general, or what are the challenges of shooting a wedding outside? What do you like about photographing a wedding in a pandemic that you brought to this wedding? What is it about um, having a large group of people that can be really challenging for some people who are planning their wedding, but who 
that people might still want to incorporate in their wedding and how do you solve those problems for them so that when people are looking for how to plan a wedding in Stillwater during a pandemic, when they're looking at, I have a large group, how am I going to manage that? They are finding your content. They're like, I actually want to read that. I want to know what's going on. So even if they're not getting married at that venue, even if they're not having a large venue, even if they're not planning a wedding during a pandemic, there's going to be an element of it that is actual content. It's not just about that wedding. It's not about these pretty pictures that I want to show you, which is important, but you need to have content around it because you can create those pictures every weekend, but you, you need to have something new to say about it. And I think that speaks to building your brand voice as well. You know, that helps people get to know you and why they would want to work with you. So William, I'm curious, sort of the same thing, but more on the techie side, what, what do you see people doing that isn't serving them with, with the sort of back end of, of all this when they're going to blog? Well, I gotta, I gotta say, that's a a great point that, that Becca brings up. It's like, you know, really great. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, um, knowing your audience and also, like, what's the point? What's the point of reading this this blog post? What's the point for someone? What 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 are, what are they going to get out of it? What are they gaining out of reading something? You know, is it just, hey, these were, this is like, I was so blessed to shoot this wedding again this weekend. You know, it's, it's we get, you know, kind of into that. Yeah, I, how many wedding posts did we start like that, you know, uh, early on? I'm sorry to jump over you. I was just going to say, I think that that's such an important thing because if you rewind, which all of us can do 10 years Mm -hmm. to to wedding blogging, you could rank for stuff by then. You just had to blog it. You just had to blog it and tag the pictures and say pretty wedding at whatever venue. And there wasn't a lot of competition. But now that not only do I have 10 years of blog posts, but everyone else has 10 years of blog posts and there's new people coming out all the time shooting at those places. You can't rank for that same stuff anymore. So I didn't want to I'm sorry to cut you off. I just was like very activated to say exactly that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'd like to just go on that thread too. I know we're speaking to a lot of folks that are just starting, but if you have anything to say to folks like myself and all of us that have years and years and years of stuff, you feel free to address that too. Like, we used to be able to do this, not working anymore. Well, let's, let's kind of approach it from the, the new the newer photographer point of view, and and sort of technical, but like how the 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 you you know how the Google uh, algorithms work, right? Is like Becca's point. You know, there's there's already a bunch of you know posts out there about these venues and about you know whatever topic that you're at. Like maybe it's uh you know with with a portrait photographer, you might be trying to rank for I don't know like a park or something like that, some kind of venue location, whatever, some type of long tail term, but because there's those posts out there and because there's like what I would call seniority or like, you know, what, what, you know, you get down into it, you, you know, uh, it's, it's like domain authority, right? Like the authority of, you know, someone's website, they've been around, they have that seniority, they have like a higher, you know, domain authority. Um, and those pages have matured those, you know, like, you know, say Becca's uh, venue that she was talking about. She has a blog post that maybe has been out there for, you know, six, seven years. It has that maturity. There's probably some links already pointing to that because people found it and found it valuable. That's that's one of the, the you know, those, those Google algorithm things where... Um, you know, as a newer photographer writing a blog post about that same venue, you're not going to rank as well as Becca because the because there's that domain authority and the, that those links coming into her site and to that one page, right? So 
people have to kind of understand that like you know that first year or two as a as a you know photographer uh, attempting to gain traction using SEO you know practices it, it's going to take a while for your domain authority to take off you're going to have to uh, work on promoting your website and getting your domain authority up right you know that you're going to have to gain that value that trust on the internet that the other sites already have and have for a number of years and just to clarify for people that are like very new to this conversation, can you explain what domain authority is for, we're talking about a specific venue, but what, what does that actually mean? Yeah, yeah. So Becca's going to laugh because I'm going to use a term that I hate, and that's that SEO juice, right? Yes, I was going to say, I, I, was, I, I was talking earlier with Natalie about Google juice, and I was like, William hates that. <laughs> I, I'm sure there was an over under on when I was going to like, you know, actually say the term, right? <laughs> so domain authority is, it's a made up word, right? It's, it's, it's Google's, it, and it's not even Google's term. It's um, somebody else's, but it's, uh, it points to the way Google assigns value to your website. Uh, and that value is a ranking factor, right? So there's 200 plus ranking factors that Google uses when you type in a term, you know, wedding photographer, that term has to, you know, go through a bunch of different ranking factors to display the sites that it does in the, in the list, right? So in order for, you know, kind of to assign different values helps with being able to say, okay, this site is more valuable than the other. So when I do a search for a wedding photographer, this one over here, you know, there's been a bunch of people on the internet that link to it therefore we're going to say that has more value than a site that has less links right so that's one of those factors that google uses to rank them and domain authority is uh, mostly comprised of links so if you if other sites link to your website if other sites link to the pages that you create or the blog posts that you create which are just pages but then Google can say, oh, there's certain value over here on this particular page because there's a, a bunch of people linking to it or there's a handful of people linking to it. So that is like that, that determines that there's some value to that. So th that, that goes through that algorithm when someone you know, searches for a, like a, a venue or something like that. It's basically how much value Google places on your knowledge. So it's just like I might trust William Moore about certain things, he has more authority on those things. Google just assigns a domain authority name, you know, number to websites based on how accurate and how used and how linked to and how much of a resource they have proven to be over time. And you're saying that back in the day, it was much easier to achieve a stronger domain authority by using really simple stuff like wedding at the green fountain park and people could really build authority for that particular venue search is there and now that people that did that like years ago so let's say becca did that years ago your your authority is much higher on that venue is there is it totally hopeless for people so you actually don't get domain authority you don't get domain authority based on certain pages okay um domain authority is like your your sort of root website how much your website matters how much weight it gives your matter, your website in search. So the more domain authority you have, the easier it would like be to rank. Yeah, the easier it would be to rank for the same terms. Like if you and I posted the same, exactly the same content sure. 
the person with the more it's it's pretty granular. I don't know that you need to get so so into it. I mean, it's it's a good metaphor in general for how Google treats things. There's also a, a page authority, right? Because you know, I think the last time we talked, uh, we talked about like how SEO is page specific. That's right. Um, so when you're ranking different pages, like, you know, if they're all like, you know, domain com- authority comes into it, page authority comes into it. Like I said, 200 different, you know, ranking factors, right? There's a bunch that comes into that, you know, different things, you know, technical things on the site, uh, you know, where, where, you know, your keywords are located and your content, you know, that sort of thing. So lots of different ranking factors. It's, I know early on people kind of get focused in on one thing, like, oh, I got to get my domain authority up. Like, but there's so much, so many factors that go into it. And then there's, you know, a lot of times you see like willy nilly things in rankings. Like, how, I have like a domain authority of like 100 and a page authority of 100. And, uh, you know, this site ranks higher than me, right? So there's, there's, sure. uh, you know, sometimes there's willy nilly things that you can't just see. And one thing that's really shifted around in the last, and Natalie, I think we talked about this last time I was on too, that shifted around in the last, I think it was like five years ago that that big Google update was, where basically now the things, like the the algorithm has gotten smart enough. And when we say the algorithm, we just mean like how Google ranks things and searches for things because it's a really black box and we can make a lot of guesses and know some things about it, but like it is the algorithm, you know? So like um, the algorithm... <laughs> has essentially gotten smart enough that what it looks for is also what people look for. So it used to be that Google couldn't figure out, like if you want to look for wedding photographer, it couldn't figure out if you want a list of wedding photographers or recommended wedding photographers from a venue or an auto repair place that just like (laughs) says wedding photography on it a lot. And so if you said wedding photography a lot, that was the best Google could do to figure it out. You know, obviously it was a little bit more sophisticated than that, but not a lot more sophisticated than that for a while. And over time, it shifted and shifted and shifted. And so now it knows that if you're an auto repair shop that just lists wedding photography a lot, you're not what people want to click on for wedding photography. And they know that because people don't click on you. Or if they do click on you, they're like, oops, and they go right back. And that is stuff that the algorithm cares about too, because it's stuff that people care about. And so you can, you can think about it in terms of like, what would people want to find (laughs) if they're asking a question? What do they want to find? Are you providing that? And part of that answer is, have you provided good answers in the past? And that is Google, you know, that's your domain authority, but it's not all of it. So they're looking at what someone types in and like what they click on matches what they want. They're like, wow, that person looked for pink sprinkled donuts and they clicked on this Not donut only did shop. They click on the donut shop, but they stayed at the site. They stayed on the site. They stayed there. They maybe clicked around the site. Great. That's how you know. So if someone searches Minneapolis wedding photography, that's rustic or something. And they, from that term, go to your site, Becca, over and over and over again, and they stay a long time each time, Google's going to go, yeah, that's exactly what Becca does. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's what they call search search intent. Yeah, it's what they call search intent is what Google uses that as. They, they're like, what are you actually looking for? Do you want pictures? Do you want a website? Do you want a service that takes care of those things? Do you want, um, you know, there's, there's a number of different styles that of of um, you know things that google can return it can return the google local you know listings it can return you know like the pictures videos there's there's a whole bunch of things that that google can return for a given search so when you type in 
pink donuts. Maybe you were just looking for your pink sprinkled donuts, and maybe you were looking for pictures of Homer Simpson eating a donut or something like that, right? So there's, sure. there's, it, it, it tries to you know, uh, predict your intent when you do a search. That's fascinating, and it's getting better at that. What is something that someone might be doing when they're creating content that could be detrimental to their their ranking? And William, do you want to go first with that one? Yeah, yeah. I think we might. I wonder if we touched on this on the last one. Is is um, is focusing on you know a given keyword per per page, right? And especially coming back to that search intent that we talked about was is having a, a dedicated page for the different things that you shoot. You know, if if you know ma- many photographers shoot multiple things: portraits, weddings newborns, you know, a boudoir, right? So whatever your niche is, whatever that, that, you know, genre is that you shoot, having a dedicated page, it doesn't have to be your blog, uh, anything like a blog post, uh, but having a dedicated page that, that talks about your services and talks about what you provide to people, right? When it, this comes into SEO and it also comes into the usability and the practicality of running a, a website is, you know, making making something easy for your potential customers to hire you. How does that happen when you have a bunch of different pages that are spread over, you know, your entire site that, you know, um, talks about one thing here and talks about one thing here, talks about another thing over here. But if you consolidate all that information into one page, make it easy for the user to, one, find you through SEO, because if you're consolidating all that content in one area, it, it, it kind of leverages all that. You, you know, you, you're using that keyword multiple times, naturally, not like wedding photographer, I'm a wedding photographer, I'm so glad to be a wedding photographer in, you know, wherever. But you're actually consolidating that keyword into one location. And it's like, yeah, so when we shoot weddings, uh, these are the things that we, you know, consider, uh, you know, in, in our photography, we, you know, do this and we do that. And you actually have multiple paragraphs at the end of the day because with those keywords in it. And so you're actually, you know, you, you're, you're providing that keyword multiple times in there naturally. That's the, the, the real thing is like, you know, no one wants to read that, you know, keyword stuffed sentences that don't make sense, right? But you know, if you create naturally occurring language for people that is very helpful, like, you know, here's the services that we provide. Here's in those services, we do these particular things, almost like you're walking through, um, you know, the, the, the hiring process, like, you know, no, many people have never hired a photographer before. So make it easy for them. What, what's the process? What are they going to do? What are they required to do? What, what's, you know, what is that, look like when they do a boudoir session, you know, like list all that stuff down. They've never done this before. And you're saying that by naturally kind of organically spreading out the key terms in a way that's, I guess, in a readability kind of way, that that's going to be a stronger approach than just trying to plug boudoir photographer, boudoir photographer, boudoir. That's just to make sure I'm following you. Absolutely. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, people can see through that, you know, people can like, what, what, well, and if they don't, they're just like, why is this, you know, why are they using this term so much? You know, they don't, you know, kind of like, you know, grok the idea that this is being used for SEO, you know, like if, you know, they read it and it's just not natural. So, and, and then there's also no value to them. Right. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is kind of going back to, you know, before and, you know, that, that, 
the value that you provide to the internet or even just your potential customers, right? Why, why is your site even up on the internet if you're not providing some value? And when someone needs to hire you or hire a photographer, you know, if you have something valuable to someone that really answers their questions, like, okay, I've never hired a photographer. What am I doing? Like, what do I do? Like, what, what's, what's this even look like? You know, do I pay them? You know, up front, do I, you know, and you kind of, you, there's a lot of answers that you could provide to people. That's right. And you're trying to reduce that friction of that person trying to accomplish their goals, right? Yeah, no. And I think it's a really good point that you bring up words, because I think as photographers, it's easy to feel like our value is obvious because look at my pictures. And, and that does have a larger effect than other industries. Like if your photos are good photos, then chances are people will want to hire you. But I, I love that you're reminding photographers to write about the rest of who they are, what they do, what the service is like. And I think that's super important. Becca, I know you wanted to jump in here. And oh, I was just going to say, I think to build off of that, I would say one, the, the major thing that I see in people building their websites and, and trying to figure out SEO is that they don't have intent, which I think is exactly part of what William was saying is that they, why are you building a website? You know, do you, yes, you need to have one, that 100%. But if you're not, why are you building all these other pages? Why are you blogging all these sessions? Why are you blogging all these weddings if you don't have intent behind them? And so each one of those pieces of content needs to answer a question for your potential clients. And so you help filter them through your process, but you also help them find you. I mean, that's that's the major that's the major thing. And once you can start kind of figuring out those whys, then the content flows a lot easier and the SEO flows from that content. I totally agree. And this is something I talk about in my coaching a lot is when you're creating a piece of content, what do you want your ideal client to do with that information? And if it's just like, look at this, then they're just going to look at it and probably click away. But if it's like, I want to help you the next time we do a session and here's something, you know, like thinking about it that way, I think is super important. But it also has SEO benefits. There you go. I mean, that's the thing is that it's great from a customer perspective, but it also every time what William is saying, every time you write down those services and you're talking about that process, you are building your SEO juice for that page <laughs> that trickles back to Google. You know, like that's, yeah. people are going to spend more time on your page. They're going to click around more on your page. They're going to interact with it more. And that helps the future clients find that page better. That's right. That's right. No, I really appreciate that. And so next next episode, um, we're going to talk about sort of the basic things that someone, you know, just wanting to clean up their SEO or just starting out with this website stuff can do to just get started and get make sure they have a few things um, going for them. But before we jump off, I just want to give each of you a chance to let people know where to find you sort of like favorite social or website. And then obviously any courses or any other information, please offer it up. William, why don't you go for it? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I am, I've retired from Instagram. So I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter more these days. I'm at William Bay on Twitter. And that's B-A-Y. Yes, that's B-A-Y. Yep. And then, yeah, uh, I have a SEO course over at getnoticed.flauntsites.com. And uh, the, the templated sites that I talked about earlier are just at flauntsites.com. Great. And we'll link to that. And I'm everywhere at Becca Dilly and probably it's B-E-C-C-A-D-I-L-L-E-Y.com um, and on the gram over there too. Um, and I do SEO mentoring. So sort of a walkthrough of website and, and mentoring help uh, to build SEO. Um, and you can find that through my website. 
Great. Yeah, we're going to link to all that stuff. Thank you both. I hope you enjoyed this episode with William and Becca. If you're looking for additional help, not just with SEO, but with things in your photo business, there are a lot of awesome resources at photobizhelp.com. You'll find everything from our signature coaching program, Photosynthesis, to building your list. If you're kind of confused about how to build an email list, there's lots of resources and downloads and all kinds of free stuff there. So head to photobizhelp.com if you're looking for more resources and more help. After over 10 years full-time as a lifestyle photographer, I've discovered eight things that every photographer should do to build and grow a strong photography business. If you would like to strengthen your business in 2021 and learn more about the eight things that have helped me build a solid photo biz, head to photobizhelp.com forward slash eight things. That's the number eight things to get your copy of the eight things that I've done over the last 10 years to build a successful lifestyle photography business. That's photobizhelp.com forward slash eight things. I will be back as always every Tuesday and Thursday. I hope you have a beautiful day. Remember in everything you want to achieve, consistency is key. Have a great rest of your week.